Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Jean Do Massoero, an Alexander Technique teacher, teacher in Montpelier, France. And this is going to be the fifth in a series of conversations we're having about the influence of Francois Delsart on F. Matthias Alexander. So, uh, John Doe, welcome to the show again. Yes, thank you. Uh, we, uh, in our previous uh, conversation, we were talking uh, a bit about uh, Del Sartre's own story of how he came up with at least the first part of his method, which um, has a remarkable parallel to Alexander's story. Uh, loss of voice, um, career about to end, etc., and then working out a solution that in, seems strikingly similar to Alexander's solution. Uh, that is, using uh, directions, the coming up with a direction or directions that would prevent him from doing his, his strong habitual pattern. Would that be fair to say? You might yes. want to elaborate on that a little bit. I don't want to oversimplify it, but it certainly seems like that's the basic idea. Yeah, but I will elaborate on it because yes. there is something that is uh, maybe somehow different or is worded differently mm -hmm. by the two men. And I think that Del Sartre might have an advantage in clarity. Mm -hmm. So it's the fact that, of course, he, he changed the movement of his larynx. Right. It changed the movement of the larynx because uh, he found that it was necessary to guide the movements of the parts of the torso consciously. So the word that I am trying to bring to the fore here is movement. And movement, now, of, movement of the whole body. Movements of parts of the whole anatomical structure. Right. So in Del Sartre, it is very clear that we are talking about movements of bone structures. Mm -hmm. it's, he called them levers for mm -hmm. one reason, you know. He, he was not, in fact, working with the muscular system in a direct way. Mm -hmm. He invented an indirect way. Mm -hmm. And it's very clear from reading Alexander, despite Alexander's weakness with definition, which can be overcome, uh, the fact that Alexander picked that up, but mm -hmm. had great difficulty in transmitting it. Well, it's only thanks to my archaeology of Del Sartre that I could understand loads of uh, passages of the first two books of Alexander. Because mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. very, very clear. So, so was a key element there for Del Sartre that while the obvious, his obvious problem, especially in singing high notes, was a, was a, quote, problem, unquote, with his larynx and its configuration in his throat, but that the solution was, not, was, was a whole body solution or a whole torso solution. It was a whole torso solution. Whole torso solution. So, I mean, that I'm, I'm, I mean, that kind of a statement would be fairly obvious, I think, to most Alexander teachers today. But I'm guessing back in the early eighteen what thirties, forties, in there, that was would have would have been a pretty new idea. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would think that would be quite revolutionary. So where we left off is he figured out a way to deal with his preconceived ideas about what he had to do to sing high notes. And he came up with at least one directions, internal directions to do that with his torso. So the directions were... Uh, a complex structure mm-hmm. with uh, Del Sart. I think right. even more complex than the one that Alexander figured. Um, in fact, to guide the movements of the parts of the torso, the first problem is to identify the parts of the torso. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem with identifying the parts is that in most pupils, in most untrained persons, most of the time, the parts are coordinated, what we, what we say, en bloc, right. which means uh, as, a, as a stiff um, um, working where most people have uh, uh, two, two coordination, one that is when they are resting, collapsing, mm-hmm. and the other one when they are uh, stiff and trying to be erect. Well, nowadays it's very uh, unusual to have an, a stiff and erect person, but that's uh, still easy to see that um, uh, the parts have no movements. And I've been very intre- well. I've been working on these on these movements of the parts of the torso, and it's quite uh, it's quite simple. You will see people have, having uh, so much stiffness in some parts. Mm-hmm. that uh, they can't even imagine that uh, it's possible to move the torso in different ways than right. the one they are doing. Right. And I'm not talking only about uh, people that have no idea of the Alexander technique. It's also true nowadays. I think that the mechanism of the torso has been lost during the last 50 years. There are not many people nowadays that can consciously direct the different parts of the torso or consciously direct the movement between these parts. Mm-hmm. Because before coordinating the different movements, of course, you have to elicit the movements. Mm-hmm. You have to make the movements happen. Right. Yeah. I worked the other day with a friend of mine. He, he, he's been a teacher for, I don't know, 25 years. And he said to me, well, it's quite amazing because I've just discovered a part that I never moved before. Right, right. So in the Del Sart system, there was not this idea of simply achieving the, the correct functioning of the whole system. It was, first of all, a means of expression. They wanted to appear on stage and have lifelike movement, what they call gesture, uh, integral movement, that were lifelike. Mm-hmm. In order for them to be lifelike, the problem was to have as many parts that were moving uh, in opposite direction during the movements. So for right. Del Sartre, it was not only trying to find the right uh, organization. It was to have a, a fluid organization in all directions possible. Right. So it was more complex than the Alexander Technique, I think. So, but he, and he wanted people to have that fluid organization in order to be able to express emotions and feelings on stage, right? That was yes, exactly. It. And, and he, I think you said in an earlier interview... You know, he was not thinking in terms of, well, hey, that could probably help the person in the rest of his life, too. 
right? It's, yes, he knew that. He he knew it would, but but that wasn't his main goal. No. would you say? No, he was an artist. He was he, an, he yeah, was art, so, right? You know? But right. he knew, in fact, he knew how because he was the, the doctor of voices. Right. So every time a, a singer lost his voice, he was directed to to Del right. So he knew that people would learn how to use their organism better, but it was not his aim. It was it was just a a, a byproduct of his of what he really was after. Exactly. Yeah. So he found that movements of the parts were good mm-hmm. functioning you know right. and yep. he he adds up uh, that uh, in fact during his uh, his his work process to in fact change his manner of using his torto in order to speak or to sing without pain uh, he discovered that it was quite painful sometimes but mm-hmm. it didn't matter because uh, it was, there was, he, he discovered different types of pain. There are pain that are, of course, uh, a signal that something is very wrong, mm-hmm. uh, or it could be a signal that you are coming from some situation that was very wrong, mm-hmm. and you are changing mm-hmm. it towards something better. So you get pain on both sides of the door. Right. Sure. So it's not possible to judge by what you feel, by the pain you feel, to know if you're going in the right direction or not. The only way he found is that you must feel, uh, see in the mirror that there are movements that are happening and that the result of the movement is a lengthening. It's, he called that the law of extension. It's, and uh, so length- lengthening be. Be, and would lengthening be sort of a proxy for general expansion? Yes. Because, exactly. I mean, we are axial creatures, so if we're going to expand, it's a lot more like we're going to expand mostly in an up-down, upwards direction, let's say. But there's also the widening aspect, right? The filling out of the space yes. we can take out. So, so he used, in a sense, expansion let's say, as his yeah. guide to, is this a better way to do things than yeah. before, which it might seem a little uncomfortable or even a little painful, but if it's expansion, it's probably a good thing. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's, you understand yeah, that there yeah. is inhibition in this. Yes. Yeah, say, say something about inhibition. Inhibi- yeah, say something about inhibition because I, 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 did he actually use that word? No, no, he did not. Mm-hmm. No, no, he did not use the word inhibition. That was created by Alexander later on. Right. But uh, um, inhibition was really part of uh, the teaching in a sense that uh, you were like forbidden not to use mirrors. Because when you use a mirror, you have a distance between what you feel and mm-hmm. what you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. you see, uh, um, it was a Delsart idea to give lessons to your own reflection. Right. So you have to, to move the parts of your torso and you have to see them moving. So right. that, that idea of uh, inhibition is so ingrained in the way of teaching that uh, it is clear that it would give you some instructions it would give you most of the time a design showing the the way to pass from one uh, 
organization of different movements of the part of the torso to another one, and you would have to look at yourself in the mirror and uh, project the directions that were specified in clear French, well, words, you know, mm-hmm. very, very uh, good use of geometry in order for you to direct the movement of the part in different organization. So, so you, you were doing something, you were in that, in doing what you just described, yeah. you were essentially inhibiting your habitual way of moving the parts of you. Of course, but you were also inhibiting the mental habit of doing one thing after the other. Because it was ah, quite clear okay. in, in his view that uh, um, a movement, a gest- uh, integral movement, what he called gesture, mm-hmm. uh, was only true when the, the different movements of the part were synchronized, were going all together. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you had to inhibit really trying to do one of the part before another one. You had to really, in fact, uh, work in your mind on how to make uh, an instruction that is uh, sequential, one thing after it. Of course, I have to mm-hmm. give you an instruction for that part, then an instruction for that part, then an instruction for the third part or the fourth part. Right. There are four parts in the torso. Right. So, uh, they are sequential, of course. And when you recite them, when we repeat them, they are sequential. Right. But when you transform the, uh, this language of communication into an internal language, which means that you memorize the thing, then mm-hmm. you have the possibility in your mind to decide how your practical will is going to use this instruction. And your decision is to inhibit to do one thing after the other, and to allow all together to come through. Mm -hmm. It needs some training because in front of the mirror, you will see that uh, the inhibition of the one thing after the other is not that simple. Mm -hmm. In front of the mirror, you will discover that in fact, yes, there are some instructions that that you favor, that you place first, or that you you are more confident with, and they start to to appear in the mirror before others, and you have to be uh, very clear that it's not what you want. Mm -hmm. So you have to try again and try again in order for uh, these means to be really um, um, organized in a simultaneous way in the mirror. So that's a mm-hmm. very, very uh, new uh, way of using inhibition. It's not just, no, I'm not going to start the movement as I do it normally. It's I need to inhibit also on a mental plane. That's, that's why Del Sartre considered that his work was uh, a mental Mm-hmm, uh, training mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not a physical training. So I think any, any Alexander Technique teacher or student listening to this is immediately reminded of Alexander's phrase about at least one of his strings of directions back uh, neck free, head to go forward and up, back to lengthen and widen, whatever variation on that. Yeah. He would say, the people, people would come to him and say, hey, you know, this is too much. Um, I am going crazy trying to implement it. And he'd say, well, it's one after the other, but all at the same time. It was sort of his, <laughs> his, I mean, which, to confuse the, the pupil even more. Honestly, yes. I don't. Yeah, but but um, but but Del Sartre was dealing with exactly that issue, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. So okay, so he comes up with that, and to what extent had, did, was Alexander the beneficiary of that set of discoveries of his? Well, uh, there is a story that Alexander spent ten years in front of a mirror in order to yeah. solve his voice problem. You know that. I know the story. Yeah. I don't. It has no. It's totally incompatible with the timeline. But yeah, absolutely I, incompatible <laughs> because we. Well, there are. Unfortunately, there are people like me or historians, uh, archaeologists of the Alexander <laughs> technique, that have discovered that, uh, in fact, he solved his voice problem in in less than eight months. Yeah. So, in order to solve his problem in less than eight months, he was helped. He had uh, he had some some information, you know. He he had help from someone that knew about uh, voice problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my guess is that he was helped by somebody that knew Camille Del Sartre for sure. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Right. And and so there are um, clues in the first two books. Uh huh. Because, uh, yes, in the first two books, there is one thing I want to, to mention here. Is the, the, because Engaining um, is, um, is at the start of uh, inhibition. So mm-hmm. I should have started with Engaining first. Mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting that uh, there is one, uh, the, the first, the first mention of Engaining in his books, you know, mm-hmm. is in Man's Supreme Inheritance. Mm-hmm. And the the way and gaining is uh, is described is very very strange, very very interesting, you know, mm-hmm. because and gaining in his first book is related to the conscious guidance of the mechanism of the torso. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that is that is quite strange, you know. Um, so. He's talking about engaining as um, having the end in view. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Engaining, that's why we'd say end. It's uh, the end in view. And after uh, the end, so normally you stop, you stop the movement. And, uh, of course, at Del Sartre say, no, you don't stop the first movement. You continue the first movement and you do the second one as well. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So he's saying that. And uh, it's very interesting because uh, I've all my training and uh, and listening to conferences and going to workshops, I've been I've been quite uh, um, aware that we use uh, instructions that, like well, for example, lengthen and widen the back. Yeah. 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 Lengthen and widen the torso. Mm-hmm. That's uh, or think up. That's even a better one. You know. Yeah. Oh, I know. So I know. When he's talking about engaging. Uh, he's talking about instructions. He's talking about orders, what he called end-gaining orders. So the, one is, the first one that appears in the book is about a guy that is uh, playing golf. Yeah. has to swing up and down again in the same orbit, and everybody knows that in order to do that, you have to lengthen the spine. And he said that most orthodox teachings method all the end in view, and uh, that means that that's without consideration of the means whereby and right. yeah that is means whereby is defining means whereby by without making certain that the pupil has the power to maintain a proper position of his spine and back 
Mm-hmm. That's what, so, those are his exact words there? The, yes, that's, yeah. his, that's yeah. his exact word, and the page is 135 in the 1946 yeah. mm-hmm. edition. Right. And so... Um, what is what you have to understand here is that when you say to somebody, "Well, uh, sync up," or uh, more clearly, lengthen the back, lengthen and widen the back. Right, right. This is uh, well, exactly the perfect definition for an, an end gaining order. Right, because you absolutely. got somebody yeah. that cannot lengthen the back, if or, otherwise you wouldn't give that uh, that. Uh, that order, yeah, and and yes, and and that in f- from from our one of our earlier conversations, uh, I mean that was the in your view that was the general problem with Alexander's directions. Yes, because they are not geometric. They are not explaining how and what what you should use it in order to lengthen the back. Well, he knew. What was necessary? Because, because he'd been taught by because he'd been taught yeah. by someone who knew about Del Sart, You believe, right? Yes, because yeah. in Del Sart there is something that is called the law of opposition. Mm-hmm. In the Alexander technique, we call it the um, what do we call it? We call it the um, antagonistic action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if you imagine the torso that has four parts of uh, groups of bones that are articulated together, Mr. Del Sard discovered that you have to direct these parts not to lengthen at all, but to oppose the next one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also uh, the ones that are opposite in direction, which means that you have to make sure that you are not solely directing one piece against the two others, but you have to group them together. And that is a means whereby of the lengthening of the torso. And it works. Mm-hmm. It works. It's amazing. It's a breeze. Any new pupil that use that means whereby to lengthen the torso, you don't need to use the, the word lengthen the torso, but that's what you're going to see in the mirror. So right, right. I'm sure that Alexander knew that because if he didn't, there was no way he would have cured his voice so quickly. So, so he, he, he knew that, oh, but yeah. when it came to teaching, he used directions, it sounds like, that didn't really enable that. Exactly. That's, that's so strange. So I, I think we should, um, if it's okay with you, end this conversation here and take up, take, up, take up on this in the next conversation. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So, I'm, yeah. I'm getting fired up. So yeah, no, to... I can tell. And, and, <laughs> and, but I th- we got to chunk this oh, down for our sure. listeners. It's, yeah. it's almost too much information to take yeah. in. We got to go bit, bit by bit. So let me, um, again, just uh, thank my guest today, Jean Doe Massoero, an Alexander uh, Technique teacher in Montpelier, France. Uh, Jean Doe, thank you so much for this. Thank you, Robert. (laughs)